She's a public ally, and she's currently a partner with the Milwaukee Film Festival. Uh, she was global studies major in undergrad at UWM, and she's traveled all over the world, and I'm excited to talk to her about everything she's done, everything she's doing, and why she's doing it all. Brandy Hernandez, <laughs> welcome to the show. Hello. What Whoa. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. It was a real like uh, it was a real like uh, late night talk show type intro. Yeah. I'm getting better at it as time goes on. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me, Ben. You're welcome. How are you? I haven't seen you in so long. I'm I'm good. I'm living. Uh, I'm busy, yeah. but it's it's like so so public allies recognizes. Um, Indigenous Peoples Day as a holiday. So we yes. have off today Very nice, yeah. from placement and from doing the work that we're doing out in the community, which is great because I could use a full day off. Yeah, <laughs> I hear that. It's very hard to come by. Yeah. Yeah, it is, a, it is Indigenous Peoples Day, um, which I'm got to commend uh, Tony Evers for oh, formally yeah. recognizing, like on behalf of Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's a weird like postmodern time to be like questioning things that you know we always kind of just accepted at face value growing mm -hmm. up. Like for us in school growing up, it was like, oh yeah, day off of school, sweet, thank yeah. you, Christopher Columbus. But now it's like, you know, fuck Christopher Columbus who <laughs> stole these people's land and yeah. they're still have yet to receive reparations. Yeah. And I mean, renaming the day doesn't obviously like it doesn't change the fact that everything that he did yeah it doesn't change history all the murder and the slavery but it's a step in the acknowledgement that it happened yeah. and that is a step forward in the reclamation yeah for indigenous people mm -hmm. um so yeah i would agree with that i think like even thinking about like schools and to, it's it's gonna be a transition, but it, it, it that's what it should have been in the first place. Right. Because it's it's they're the ones that were here first, and mm -hmm. they're the ones that I mean are continuing to fight for like all the um, just everything going on with like climate and their land. So. Yeah, yeah, like with like the Dakota Access Pipeline mm -hmm. uh, shit that was going on. Um, yeah, like even just the like. I, I remember, like, when I was little, uh, when I was, like, nine years old, we went on a vacation, uh, like, it was a family vacation, we went through, like, South Dakota, mm -hmm. like, to the Badlands and Mount Rushmore and whatnot, and, um, I remember we drove through, like, a, a Native American reservation, and I remember just, like, I was, like, this little kid, and, like, I, I knew nothing about, like, what... A reservation yeah. was, and I, I remember thinking, I remember, like, being scared mm -hmm. to, like, enter the reservation. I'm like, are we going to be, like, in danger or something like that? Um, but, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's just like any other community, but it's, like, the fact that, like, those are still necessary, like, yeah, to me, well, mm -hmm. is, you know, you look 
you just look at it from a different lens going a lot to unpack. It. But anyway, so um, <laughs> what we talk about in Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear through our passionate and creative minds. Um, yeah, I don't think I've seen you since the Black Rose closed. Actually, come to think See about that? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Oh, the Black Rose. Rip the Black Rose. Yeah. Uh, good and in interesting experience. Yeah. Well, that was, that was kind of how we became friends, actually, I think. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, you would be there. Because you lived above the Black yeah, Rose for yeah. point. You'd be there somewhat frequently with all your essay friends. Yeah, we... Yes, I I like to get down with the people, and I like to go out. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Think a lot of people know that of me, but I also like to work hard. My motto is work hard, play hard. I'll leave it at that. It's your motto. It is, yeah. Wow. Oh my God, that's really a Wiz Khalifa, right? Yeah. yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> clear, he, he's a he's a very um, inspirational model. Of, of yours. No, no of yours. I mean, sure, not where I was going, but yeah. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> we could say that. Well, it, I mean, the rose was like, it was so centralized, mm -hmm. like, with UWM students, and like, yeah. it was just a huge release for everyone that lived on the east side, like, going to school throughout the week, and yeah. like, you know. I mean, you had a mix of, like, trivia. Yeah, the trivia, cheap food, yeah. and cheap drinks, and uh, all the pizza places, like, all around it. Like, yeah. you had Blaze across the street, Monster when it was there. Well, I thought Monster was trash. Yeah, I don't really like Monster. No, it was kind of sucked. Um, those bre breadsticks, the pizza... No flavor. No, it's like, yeah, it's a fucking huge-ass slice. When they had Solo, Solo pizza yeah, was yeah. really good, and I was really bummed when Solo was no longer a yeah. thing. Because yeah. I used to live on Oakland, so my second year in Milwaukee, I lived on Oakland. Or no, third year we lived on Oakland. And Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I would get a margarita personal pizza and then mm -hmm. a side of, like, their vinaigrette dressing. And they knew it was me, and they were like, you want your mark? And I'm like, yeah. like I would call, and they'd be like, okay, yeah, we'll have it ready for you in, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> like, oh, be Randy, the usual. <laughs> Got it. So I was, like, I was really sad. Yeah. Like, I was like, well, where the heck am I supposed to get, like, yeah. my quick food that I just, I just want a good pizza. So, right, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I... Yeah, I mean, like, Sal's is okay, like, Ian's great, obviously, yeah. but, yeah, I, yeah, Solo, I remember, like, that was, damn, that was, a, feels like so long ago. That was a long, yeah, that was a while Cause, ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, obviously you had Oakland Euros across the street, too, mm -hmm. so you could get fucked up and then yeah. go get a Euro, and yeah. it was just a really just ideal, like, uh, picturesque night uh, <laughs> on a like for a college student on the east side yeah but um yeah that, that corner is so different now like there's that like the new like apartments that just got built they're like all nice and they look really expensive i don't know how anyone on the east side is going to afford that yeah it looks like what they built on north yeah like super gentrified yeah, yeah. but um yeah, I do miss, I, I, I miss, I miss the Rose a lot, because that was, like, kind of my way of seeing my friends, like, mm. out, because like, I wasn't really going out too much, like, yeah. when you turn 21, and, like, there's a bar right downstairs, like, that's all I need, yeah. and it, after that, after the Rose closed, like, that, I felt like that place just got so dead to me, I'm like, I, I just got, like, really eager to move somewhere else, mm. and, 
Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know what's going to happen to that. I don't, I'm like, when it finally does like open as something else, I wonder what's going to happen there. Probably to put another bar. I mean, that's what yeah. that area is missing is another bar. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's what I would think. Yeah. So where are you living now? I live um, by Sendix on that. Oh. So, over in that area. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. The Stone Creek over there. Yeah, I mean, that's over there. Yeah. There's your Bel Air. Isn't there, like, that bread shop over there? Yeah, Breadsmith's is over there. I haven't there. been to it yet. Is it good? Uh, it's good bread. Is it just bread? It's like, just they'll bread. just give you bread. It's, it's like, they give you a loaf of bread, and I mean, I don't eat a lot of bread, so it's, like, about this big, five ninety five. Oh, I think it's good. Okay. Yeah. I, I like the concept though. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I mean, it's like a, yeah. that area is a lot of family live over sure. there with like past Stone Creek is like the, we say like the nicer part yeah. or yeah. whatever, like the more Anything like, east of down here, yeah. Yeah, and then the other side is more, I mean, the block that we live on, there are some fenced houses, so it's a nice, it's a nice neighborhood, but and they there are like a lot the, of families. Sure. So. And they like their artisan bread. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, it's, it's bread. I, it's good. Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I, I would check it out. I fuck with bread hard. I mean, yeah. carbs uh, all day. So yeah. we'll have to go get a loaf of bread over there soon. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I will. Um, so uh, you graduated. Uh, when did you graduate again? In December. This past December. Yeah. yeah. Congrats. It, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, it took me a while to get done. Um, my parents thought so like originally I was supposed to graduate in May but I kept pushing no what happened yeah I was supposed to be done in May so I like was abroad that semester I was short three study abroad credits um because when I was abroad technically I had to take 12 academic credits um, and I was at 15, mm. but one of them was an internship like class that I took, so then I dropped down to nine. Mm. But I was at 12 technically, but I was at nine academic. I don't know, it's like it was confusing at yeah. first, but then, like, midway through my semester, mm, my advisors here were like, You like, you had your short three study abroad credits, and I like it was too late for them abroad to like put me in an independent study. Um, so I was, when I, like, my ideal time was to graduate in May, but I was like, I'll just graduate in December. And my parents didn't realize that I had to go abroad again until two weeks before graduation. Holy we shit. had, yeah, like, my sister knew, my brother knew, and they were like, are you going to tell mom and dad at some point? Because they're going to, like realize you're not here and they're going to see you posting pictures of you being abroad. So we, it was funny every time I tell the story, we like, we were at Green Bay, we were at Sammy's Pizza, which is like this like local family owned restaurant. We went out to dinner because like my dad was home, we were all there and we're sitting at the table, we're talking and I'm just like so after graduation I have to do three, I have to do a one term abroad. And when I said it, my dad was like, what does that mean? Like, are you, so are you not graduating? And I'm like, no, I'm graduating, but in order for me to receive my diploma, I have to do the one term because then I won't graduate with a global studies degree. And what was the point of me going the first time yeah. around? Um, 
and so my dad was a little irritated he was confused by the whole concept he was like why didn't you do it right the first time my mom said the exact same thing like why didn't you do it right the first time my mom would do the same thing so they were pretty pissed and it was funny because this entire conversation we were having in spanish and it was like a full we were like yelling at the table like we were like yelling and like the server would come by and they were she, she would be like and we're just like no we're fine and then we would continue to bicker um because they yeah they assumed that i would be done once december came but and they were like well how are you gonna pay for it like we like helped you go to sevilla how are you gonna go to and i was like i like took money out like through a private comp like through a private loan provider um, it's obviously like I'm gonna pay you back for what you helped with that, but I have to like like I have to do this, and in my head, my it's gonna be a cool way to be done with school. Right. Like, yeah. I get to, and they were like, so they didn't get it. We like I was crying at the end of that. And my dad was like pretty still irritated, and then like at the end, he was just like, you know, I just want what's best for you, and we like hugged it out like when we left. Oh. But it was just like an uncomfortable moment because we could tell like the servers would be checking in like and it would be like different servers checking in on us and I was like I can't handle that and handle like I was just like like because I've I've served and I like still currently serve so I'm just kind of like I need like I've been in that situation but also I'm in that situation with my family where I'm like I have to focus on this right. and I don't really care how I'm coming off right now because I this is like but also timing on my part because I knew they were going to react the way they were going to react and I think I just needed when big things come up in my life or where it's like a trip like a drastic change yeah I wait till the most inconvenient, like, I procrastinate to have that conversation because I know how, how a person will react or I know how, like, my parents will react. Yeah. Like, I'll tell my brother and I'll tell my sister and they'll be like, okay, we'll just, right. like... But then the main, like, my mom and dad, when I tell them, they'll be like, why did you wait till now to tell yeah. us? Or why, like, you're literally graduate like, you when were you going to tell us, like, at graduation? And I'm like... <laughs> That was my original. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it it's been interesting being in school. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was kind of in a lull post graduation because like I had applied for seven jobs, mm -hmm. got interviews. Then at the end of the day, no one wanted to hire me, and yeah. I was really frustrated. Went through this. It sucks. It, we all go through it usually. Like, well, my everyone that's graduated, like they, like all my friends were done before me, and right. like four of them were like, yeah, it's the same. Like unless you know what your job is, but like before <sighs> you even graduate, yeah, you, you're you get stuck in that. Yeah. But I literally was so frustrated because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, and I like keep like after each interview, I would reach out to the employer and be like what like what did i do like what can i do better to prepare and they're like we just decided to go with a different candidate like they just were more qualified and i'm like how the hell can you be more qualified for this entry-level position right yeah, like, yeah. i don't get that like right. how can you be more qualified like and yeah. it's not like like i did a bunch of stuff in undergrad so right. it's like those experiences should have set me up for this but i'm like i, I don't know i don't know it's like my job is gonna be getting coffee and fucking typing uh, up emails and like fucking it's entry level. answering like, I, calls. Yeah. Like, what, how, 
How can one be more qualified to do entry level? Well, shit? and that's what it. That's yeah. what it it's like data entry. It's answering calls. It's like doing. So I, I was right. like at that. So then, I had reached out to one of my friends because she kind of told me she, so they were hiring at her job. Um, and her name is Michelle. Hey, Michelle. 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 Yeah, Michelle is great. She's been like a mentor and a good friend for yeah. me for a really long time. She was my boss at, at Tammy Baldwin's office. Oh, so cool. I entered for Tammy Baldwin and she was my boss there. But before that, like we met through SA. Um, Michelle, what's your last name? Michelle Minzik. Um, oh, okay. So she. Um, she was my she was my boss there and like I was her intern and I did the job whatever and then like she knew that I was done with school and I like told her I was like I'm gonna like I was like I have these interviews set up I'm gonna see how they go and then I'll like reach out to you because I like in my head I'm like I'm gonna use Michelle as like a last resort like I don't wanna like in my head I was like I know I'm probably qualified for that job, but I want to like do, I want to get this other job on my mm -hmm. own, right? So she worked for Milwaukee World Festival, which is Summerfest. Yeah. Um, she, I think she worked ooh, two years. I don't know, it might have been two years. Two, yeah, I think she worked there for two years. Um, so she was like, we're hiring, like I like need like a, like a right hand basically. So like I was the, I don't even know what my title was, but I was, so she was like the front office manager. Mm -hmm. It was like the guest services assistant. Sure. I don't know, but I did what she did basically. Um, so she was like, just send me your resume and we'll have like an interview with our boss. So interesting how like Milwaukee World Festival is set up because that department is, so there's, so there's legal, so there's like the head attorney and then there's a staff attorney and then there's like front office management legal mm -hmm. is like so like like the chief office administrator but he's also head counsel so I had my interview with him and with Michelle mm -hmm. and it was a <laughs> I was like this interview was like so laid back and I told her and I like after like a couple like weeks of working there I told him that too I was like that was like the chill he was like well I just wanted to know like what like how your personality is and he mm -hmm. he asked me a lot about like my like when i studied abroad and he like looked at my resume he was like well you're clearly overqualified for this position and i was just like thank you like it's just been frustrating like and i like said this in her in the interview was like it's just like i've been interviewing and i i don't know what the job market's looking for mm -hmm. i at this point i just need a job in something i don't care what it is and he was like Something that I remember from that initial interview is he said he was like, because he went to law school right away out of undergrad, and he was like, I met people who went to law school right away, and I also met people who worked for a couple of years, whatever, they did everything. They worked in the service industry, they worked, they just thought, in your shoes essentially, they found a job in whatever. After a couple of years of working, being out there, they applied to law school, they got in, and those people that had that gap, those gap years, they succeeded more than those that went oh, wow. way back. And, I, and that was, like, eye-opening to me because I believe it. It's like you're in school for, like, you do elementary, middle, law, or high school, and then you go to undergrad, and then you're like, what, what do I do? Like, yeah. I've been in school for my entire life. But it's good to right. have that pause to, like, figure out I think like what you're interested in also gain those skills that 
like, yeah, I worked the front office for Milwaukee World Festival for Summerfest, but, like, that job during Summerfest and, like, the months leading up to it was very demanding yeah. because, like, no one else is going to answer the phone there. No one else is going to, like, mail out all the stuff that needs to get mailed out. Like, Michelle was like, you're going to learn a lot of really, like, things that you don't think are important, but people will come to you asking these, like, really simple questions that but, but it's because like they're in different departments and that's not mm. their job so i was like you're right um so i was really grateful and thankful that like i got that opportunity i got to see the other side of that festival um and it it was a it was a learning experience it was um but that yeah that interview i would have to say it was probably the most laid-back interview i've ever oh, done that's awesome. but and he in a nutshell was trying to find someone who who could do the job but who could he's like he's like we like to have fun here like have you been to Summerfest? and i'm like yeah i've gone I'm like Duh. my first time <laughs> like my first time when i went was i think two summers ago and i was like it's like a big fair except with music everywhere yeah, yeah. so it was because i didn't like i'm not from here so i in high school i like summer fest isn't a thing I do in the summer. It was like we would what go to the lake or go to the Door County Fair. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, Which is cool too. We didn't like, have, like I didn't have summer fest, so that's interesting. Like people who grew up here, like oh yeah, I've gone. But at me, I'm like I'm like a little kid at the state yeah. fair. Like this, like it was a really cool right. experience. So being able to see, but yeah, but that was like my first job out of college or whatever, yeah. and like. My mom and dad were like, she's working, she's doing a job, and they were like, what are you, my parents, I was like, what are you going to do next, what are you, and I'm like, I don't know, let me, when I figure it out, I'll keep you updated, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, I, um, well, for one, um, it's cool that you got, like, one last vacation, sounds like, when yeah. out of school, where'd you go? So, it, yeah, it was cool, and I, like, our program, so I took a public health class in Amsterdam. Oh, cool. Um, and that class was, it was hard. It was, it, I would compare it to, I wasn't in the honors college, but I would compare it very much like an honors college-based class at UWM because it was all discussion-based. We had readings, and, like, the professor, he didn't really care. He didn't really care if we read. I mean, he obviously assigned the readings, but he was, like, you all have different backgrounds. Like, we had people that, like, were studying engineering. We had people that, like, were still in school. I was the only one that was, like, done with school. Yeah. This is the last thing I had to do. Um, but we talked about public health. But public health is intersecting in that there are many different ways that different, um, like, doesn't matter what you're studying. It all can apply to public health was, like, the way the professor approached his class. So it was all discussion-based. Um, it was a hard class, I would say, um, but I think out of all of my undergrad, I think that class I learned a lot. Nice, and yeah. I think it, it, it attests to like the education in the Netherlands and the way that they approach. Um, Is that where you went for your second? No, that's where I went for my second time. So in December, so in January, I was in Amsterdam for the entire month. Okay. Um, my first time I was in Sevilla, which was in, is in Spain, and that was, that was, that was very different from being in Amsterdam, because the people, the, the professor I had in, like, the professors I had in Sevilla were great, we had the, the, I was placed at a public university, and the professor I had, he was, he was from Manchester, he was, always talk about things like from Manchester. So, <laughs> so, 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 so
For context, you know, like, I'm from Manchester. Like, he was yeah. like, like that, but, like, the rumors were his class was the hardest out of, like, like, he, that professor was known to be very hard, and we were all just, like, very confused, because, again, his style of teaching is very, it, it's just, like, what I, um, it was very discussion-based, like, I talked about the EU and EU policy and yeah. politics, which was really cool sure. in the time, um, because... At that time, and they're still trying to do it, Catalonia is trying to secede, trying to break off from Spain. Um, and so he, so him being from the UK, how the UK um, brings it in that yeah. entire aftermath. Um, so he had a lot of comments on that. Yeah. But, so his whole thing was like, most Spanish students aim for C's, okay? So getting a C is good here. Like, if you get a C, don't be butthurt. You Americans that come here are like, want A's and B's, A's, which is fine. But like, realize that you're here and that you're like, you're abroad, like your experience abroad should be more than just, <laughs> more than just schooling is what he said. Um, but he, like, everyone got an A in his class. Not, I don't think it's because, I think it's, because of his style and like just like we in the U.S. with caught with university, we're just like jam packed. We have all this busy work over there. We didn't have busy work. We had our midterm. We had a project, and then we had our final. And that that was what the That's makeup. All you're great about. Yeah, yeah, but it's like you have you retain all of this information because of the style of teaching, and you don't. Um, you don't have to do all this little busy work. Oh, that yeah. was the same in the which Netherlands. Is, which so. is really what I feel like. Like kind of a. That's the component that make a lot of people bad students because yeah. they're just oh, I would agree. because you know the homework and the just constant just the really um, inconsistent study habits yeah. and just yeah like having to be having to fit time. It makes the class a chore mm -hmm. rather than like you know a, a genuine like interest in something that like you are actually having like hands-on in that yeah. case discussion yeah. in learning mm -hmm. and I like I feel like myself like I would have been a much better student in my mm -hmm. classes throughout school or uh, were um, oriented that way yeah so I think those two classes I um, was able to take back a lot and bring back a lot here right. um, just how yeah. I think you learned so much with yeah, like, if all you have is a midterm, like, a paper or a project, <laughs> and a final, like... It's not. It's, it it's a breeze. Yeah, it's like, the, like, there's a couple yeah. of classes I took like that at UWM, and those were, like, the ones I got A's in, yeah. pretty much, you know? What <laughs> did, I guess, like, because, I mean, well, it makes sense that, like, you had to study abroad, mm -hmm. like, for your degree and whatnot, so, um, yeah, like, so you were in the Netherlands, and then... And you were also in Spain. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, like, how did it make you? How did it kind of reframe how you perceived what you were going to school for? Like, so I, so the global studies program at UWM I think is really unique from other programs because we're required to do an internship and a study abroad. Yeah. Some people jam pack it into one semester. I did that. Some people That's a break it apart. Yeah. Um, but so it's, it's Tammy Baldwin for you, right? No. So my internship has to be abroad. Oh. So the internship, so the 
that fall I was in intern at Tammy Baldwin's office. I lo and then in the spring I was in Sevilla. Okay. I see. Um, which it's cool because you you get that experience that you want, and so in our program. So I actually did a. I did what is it called? So it's not. I didn't do UWM exchange. I did a. I did it through a study abroad provider. Mm -hmm. um, I originally wanted to go to Santiago, Chile, um, and I met people that were able to secure like their own internships. And I kind of was late in the ball game, and like so, I had reached out to maybe four NGOs in Chile, um, in Santiago specifically because it's some metropolis area. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like. Mm -hmm mid-August I like didn't hear back from any of them there was no reply like I followed up and I'm like well shit I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do so I wanted to go in fall but then I was like realistically I missed the deadline to even apply for study abroad so I'm like I'm just gonna go through an outside provider and like pay the difference mm -hmm. like pay through loans whatever um so I signed up and through this study abroad provider they didn't have a program in Chile um, so I was like, well, I, I didn't want to go to Spain. Like I've always said, I wanted to originally go to Spain. Um, so I went to Sevilla because it was cheaper of all the programs. Sevilla and Granada. And I thought Granada was like a small town, but they took us to Granada. And it's like, it's a big, it, I would have rather have gone to Granada. Um, it's very grungy. And oh, it, there's, nice. there's a university there too. Um, it's in the mountains. It's very... It's just a very different feel from what Sevilla is like. Um, so that if I could go back, I would probably go to Granada because it was like it was less expensive than what I paid for Sevilla. Um, but I guess how it plays into what into my education, um, I I chose global studies because I knew I wanted to travel. I really do like learning about cultures and mm -hmm. I like learning languages. Mm -hmm. um, I like learning about other people. Um, I think one thing that I noticed being both in the Netherlands and in Spain is that people view Europe as very progressive um, and, and there are all, the, all these progressive policies they are leading in climate initiatives, all these different things, mm -hmm. but the same issues that we find here are the same issues that you see in Europe. Um, it's just here we're more open about it and we're more, we call people out for being politically mm -hmm. incorrect or for we not, I mean now obviously even more with who we have as a president, but I think like in Europe they kind of I don't know if it's hidden or what it is. It's just, it's not as progressive as you would think. There's a lot of nationalism I know in There Europe. is. They fucking hate immigrants. Like, yeah. they do. And there's a large refugee crisis because yeah. you have people flee. And I, so when I was in Sevilla, I was at, an, an NGO is essentially an international nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I, like, throw that term around, people get confused. And I'm like, it's just a government-funded nonprofit. Um, but when I was in Sevilla, I was at a foundation, Sepaim, it's called Sepaim, and it's like all throughout Spain. Um, but they took in refugees and just asylum seekers from different parts of Africa, different, the Middle East, 
past the Middle East. We had people from like Bangladesh, from Pakistan, and I was like, holy shit, wow. that's far. That yeah. is far Very to travel true. to make it to, and like, they would start, so Bangladesh, they would make it to, this is like one story I remember. I think they made it to Yemen. From Yemen, they went down, oh, I forget where, somewhere in like Northern Africa. They didn't go too far in. Their destination is supposed to be Morocco. Because from Morocco, that Morocco is like the point to which you can get on the, it's not, the raft and then go to Spain. Mm -hmm. And then the Red Cross are the first people that see them. The Red Cross will place um, the refugees and immigrants into different centers. um, And then from there they contact whatever, like, and um, SEPA, you might think, is just one of many organizations that does this, but they contact them, see if they have room, um, and then they bring them in, and I was able to see, like, one of the Red Cross centers, um, and it was very heartbreaking to see, like, it's like a modern holocaust. Yeah. Um, we... We went to uh, Almeria, and that's on the coast. It's like an hour, I think an hour away. We took a little bus because um, we were going to pick up. These were the men that came from Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. It was 12 of them. Um, so we had to bring a bus. So we took a bus. So the, the, so the beach town, so very touristy, a lot of tourists yeah. from like, so a lot of Germans and a lot of Brits tend to go down south, and these are like the areas where they vacation, right? Mm-hmm. So we were on there, and like it's like the island, and then there's like a little road. It's like two different worlds. The road, and then it's gated. You get into the gate, and then you go in, and it's all dust. It's all like yeah. rocked. There's like it's there's nothing. You we got out, and there was probably four or five suited soldiers with like I don't know I don't know anything about guns um but it was like a huge like mach- like it was like a big like military gun um yeah and that was a little uncomfortable because it was like these people yeah. are fleeing like that can they're be triggering tra- yeah, they're being triggered yeah they're being treated like prisoners they are and that's what and i like i i think i was i was very naive because i thought i was like this is like this is their stuff like they come to us and this is it but no that that is their first point of contact Mm -hmm. to spain is with these uh with the red cross and unfortunately that is how they're treated and to even add to the matter they're in a cage yeah. They have them caged up, so there's like the there's a courtyard, but then there is a cage, and they're all in the cage. They can't be, and I like I was like, why, why, like I was asking my boss, I'm like, why are they in a cage? And she she was pissed because I think this is like this is one of the worst. Like like I'm glad we're getting them out. Like these twelve men, I'm glad we're getting them out of there. And like the all the people, and like they were all chanting like because they're super happy because they get to be out, they get to leave, and they get to start a new life and like be out of that place um so we interviewed them we like got them on the bus um and i remember there was like this old he was he was old he was like probably like late 50s and he he and we so like (laughs) we all spoke spanish they all 
didn't know English, which was the other language. So like everyone at the center, there's at least one person there that can speak English, one person like that can speak French, but a majority of the people coming don't know any of those languages. Um, so that's hard being able to, we literally use Google Translate to talk oh, to yeah. them. Um, but like that was one very eye-opening experience to see like just how inhumane and how people can get treated. Um, and it sucks because um, there was, so my, so my family's from Mexico. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad are both born in Mexico. Um, and there was a time, it was like, it's almost 10 years. 10 years ago, one of my uncles got kidnapped. Um, and at that time, our town was under political persecution. Um, and like, the, it was just like, it was not a safe time to be there. And so all of these people, like at all, the people that I encountered when I was in Sevilla at the agency, like in my mind I was like because my mom my mom wanted to get my two other uncles out of there because she was like well what's gonna happen and like it didn't even click to me that they could get asylum here like I like I didn't because I was a sophomore in high school it didn't even click like we could start we could like ask for them to get asylum here be because it was that circumstance like people were dying left and right in the town that we were from um but that's what people are fleeing from people that flee east of Asia, people that are fleeing different parts of Africa, and like, we even had people from Latin America, we had... Right, the migrant like, crisis at the border. We, in yeah. Sevilla, we had people from Venezuela, we had people from El Salvador, we had people from Honduras, and, and I was like, there's no way for them to make it to the U.S. because it's easier... Tech, it's easier for them to start the asylum process, but that's not going to guarantee them asylum. Yeah. So that's the reality, is that. Uh, I mean, a global studies degree is a very broad-based degree. It's a very broad liberal arts degree. I think at the end of the day, um, a lot of what we talked about in my classes was like all these terrible things happening around the world. And I think um, leaving Brussels, Wisconsin and moving to Milwaukee, I got a bigger picture of what that really meant leaving Milwaukee and going to Sevilla, I got to see how the same political, politicized issues that are happening here do happen in Europe, although it's very progressive, it's still the same right. crap yeah. that we see here. People are still gonna treat you differently. If you, people, like in Sevilla, I would walk around, I clearly, I don't look Spanish, but I look native. Like they would look, would look at me and ask like, where are you from? Like, what, like, what are you doing here? Like, they would, like, like, yeah. I, I had a couple of, and that was different because I never, I've never experienced that. I mean, like, people back at my hometown, like, Brussels, like, we were probably, like, one of three Mexican families in the entire county when I was growing up. Yeah. But now there are more. Um, so we, like, people would look at us, and I'm like, I didn't, it bothered me when I was little, but then as I got older, I was just like, I don't know, shit, like, I'm different, it's fine. Um, but it, that, and then, like, seeing everything that we talked about in my classes, I think it's just, like, it was like, this is actually happening, and there are, like, every, so we had a team of six, and it was, like, the team of six at Sepain, they're the people that 
have the first encounter with all the migrants and all the different um, people coming in and we so we were responsible for interviews we were responsible for placing them in apartments getting them clothes getting them food making sure you know what what is it that they want to do um so it was that it was work that needed to be done and i think everyone all the people that the, the six people that i met there they were i went to my internship a lot um i was technically only supposed to be there 10 hours a week i think i did close to 15 20 i i had i liked it i liked the people i liked the work that they were doing um i think that the people that i worked with though they also had their thoughts on like how the organization works because like any nonprofit, any organization abroad there's always politics there's if there's not enough funding well someone has to go schmooze and get money from somewhere and that's just it it sucks but money 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 for that organization will get them the proper resources to properly help the people coming in um so that's just that's just a reality of it um so yeah i guess everything that i learned i think was reinforced it was reinforced in my time abroad, but also um, being able to, um, I don't know, just being a nice human to someone yeah, right. <laughs> and understanding. Um, Regardless of their background, appearance, or it, just what? Well, and it, it was real, my, so like, in my program, my program abroad also was good, but it was pretty white. <laughs> there were yeah. a lot of white people in my program. Um, there were two people that were black, and like they were really they were cool. Like my like uh, one of my good friends, who I should hit up again because I think he's moving to Chicago. But his name is Corey. Like I got along with him very well. Like we met, we met at the airport, and it was like we like all my. Corey and Tyler were the two guys that I met because Tyler, I forget where he's from. I think he's from Minneapolis. But Corey's from New York. And we met Corey at JFK, so we were all just hanging out, like talking, and we met these two old dudes, and like they bought us drinks before our flight, so we were like having a time. Um, But then when we got to Sevilla, it was just interesting to see like the differences in the programs and there were a lot of study abroad programs there where people were coming from um i guess it was diverse in the sense that like people were from different areas um but i mean there were still a lot of a lot of white people in the program yeah, right. um but i remember going to a surrounding town and my friend ashley um we like we went to Cadiz and it was like a small town and I don't know what the hell was going on that night but it was like it was the fair night and we thought there was going to be like arts and crafts and like you know what like a festival should be like we got there at around 11 and everyone was drunk it was it was a different and I like I'm, I met a guy and he was oh. like he was telling me how like that first weekend was not the weekend to go because that's when all the study abroad students go and he was like you're gonna regret it like you should go next weekend because that's like when all the locals actually go out and stuff um and i think i saw that because there were a lot of study abroad students there but there were also a lot of it was like a nice little mix of everyone um but the streets were trashed there was garbage everywhere but one thing is like 
So this is how like here we call people up for doing shit and over there it's like people are doing it but I think it's because either they don't know or they're not around a lot of black people. I don't know what it is. Um, But she was telling me she was like this fucking girl just well, she didn't say, she was she she was calm about it but i would have been pissed if i were here she was like this like woman just came up to me and like asked if this was my real hair and i was like are you serious right now yeah. like that's not okay like do i go up to like anyone like do you, is this your like you, that's not something you do to someone yeah. yes of, it's on their head it's their real yeah. hair like also it's a stranger why are you say, asking right. that but that that Spanish person like no one ever like I don't know like, I don't know if it's like they're not around people that are non-Spanish people or they're just around a lot of like Germans or a lot of British people um, so that had happened that night we didn't get served three times um, and we were I was confused why I think my I think like my friend like two like my friends were like I, I don't know we we were thinking like was it because like we're with Ashley and Corey I don't know I don't know um so then at the end we met up at a we found this like quaint bar and I was telling the bartender I was like we didn't get served three different times like I don't know why and and like and I told him about like my friend's experience. And she was like, that doesn't sound like people from our town. We're, we're a very welcoming town. Like we're, So I don't know if it was just like a mix of um, the drunk people and like non-locals being there. But it was just not, it was not welcoming, as welcoming as I like all everyone in Sevilla made it sound like. Mm -hmm. And that was my first time there. And I just was like, my friends aren't having a good time because they're getting treated this way. Um, and that, that's not okay. Um, but like the reality is, and I had like Ashley and I, we like had talked about it later. She was like, I think the thing is people here aren't around a lot of black people yeah. and when they do see a black person it's like how do not how do you act but like things just come out yeah. how they come out whereas in the u.s there's there's a lot of different kind of people there are black people there indigenous people there are it's just we all look and we all identify in different ways up right. where if so, if you call if you say something to someone and that person takes it offensively, they will let you know mm -hmm. that is not okay. Right. You called me that. Um, whereas over there, because they're not around a diverse group, they just kind of fluff it off. Yeah. And it's like, so that's what I'm saying how, like, the same issues are over there, except people aren't at, it's, they're not as vocal. Um, yeah. But, like, the people in uh, at my internship, the six people that I met, they were very vocal because one of my friends, she was like, it irritates me how classes people are here. It irritates me how like there is this social hierarchy. If you are lighter skinned, if you have nice brown straight hair, you are treated with a higher respect than someone who looks yeah. more native. And that's true. They're hella classist. Oh, yeah. So classist. This I can say the same about Mexico. Classism exists. Oh, yeah, in it's all over the world. Yeah. Racism, class, like all these issues that are plaguing our country, like. Homophobia, yeah. transphobia, yeah. religious bigotry, yeah. like, it's all, it's omnipresent when you look at the, you know, global yeah. scale of how societies work, and it's, 
it's like people act like it's it's like uh, specific to American society, but we're just in our own bubble. We don't like it's literally it plagues so many well, so many parts of the world. And I can say like Spanish Spain is seen at a higher level to the Spaniards in comparison to Latin American Spanish. The same in the Netherlands. Dutch in the Netherlands is at, looked at a higher level, and I feel people around the world, it's, it's, it's the same view because they are the ones that colonize these areas, but Dutch in the Netherlands is seen as a higher language than Dutch in South Africa. And one of my, because um, there's a large, they speak Dutch in South Africa, one of my, one of the program leaders uh, from my program in the Netherlands, she had she was the one that like brought that to my attention. She was like, I was talking to her about my time in Sevilla, and she was like, you see the same thing in the Netherlands. The the people that are very traditional, but even like new people, like they're people here, they don't treat immigrants with the same respect as someone that is Dutch. Um, even Dutch that we speak here in the Netherlands is seen as a higher higher quality language than those that speak it in South Africa. People act. <laughs> Which I was like, whoa, like, but she's right. Like, it, it's it's a thing when it shouldn't be. People in South Africa speak Dutch with a different dialect, but it's still Dutch. People in Latin America, the different countries in Latin America will speak Spanish differently. Like, you have, you have, you have Mexican Spanish, you have people that speak Spanish in El Salvador, and the dialects and the accents are very different. Same with like you have Cubans and Puerto Ricans, like that's a that Spanish is they just it's a different kind of their slang is different, um, but just because one area and I think it all goes back to like history like they were the ones that started quote unquote started everything, but like these different areas around the world have their history and have their population and have their languages that that should be viewed with the same level of respect the same level yeah. of intricacies as anything that has come out of Europe. Mm -hmm. So yeah. they act like it's like people treat worldwide treat immigrants like they're like we're doing them a favor by letting yeah. them come here. I mean, sure it's like they do they will, you know, enter a country foreign to that culture or yeah. foreign to, you know, that country's standards or protocol but they they need help mm -hmm. you know they need they're fleeing persecution they're fleeing you know um the, a lot of times they're fleeing things like genocide yeah you know, just horrible ways that their people are being treated and yeah. they're they come somewhere else because you know they're they want that, they just want to be seen and treated like a human being. They want opportunity. It doesn't matter where you are, where you're from, mm -hmm. what language you speak, what you look like, what you're wearing. Like, we live our lives, like, based on survival, you know? Yeah, and like oh, we, yeah. you know, we're, we're all trying to survive. We have different standards of survival. Yeah, and, sure. uh, you know, we, in, for example, like, you and I, right here at this table, like drinking this water in a heated house, mm -hmm. like wearing comfortable clothes and, you know, having freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. Those are all privileges. Oh, many parts oh, of the yeah. many parts of the world, you know, would 
they they would travel really really fucking far away from home just to have those amenities. Yeah, no, that's true. And uh, you know we have such privilege here, mm-hmm. and in other countries that you know many refugees are fleeing to, like many many developed countries in Europe, mm-hmm. like um, they, like we have like have so much privilege and things that. You know these people have like never really fully had, or they've you know been like, literally like dying to experience. And you know it's about acknowledging the resources or the the sustainability or the just ability to to prosper and the and having liberty and having freedom. Like acknowledging what you have and knowing that. There's many people in the world that don't have that, that have yeah. never experienced that, and they're coming here because they just want even some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like immigrants are being treated like they're like some kind of like invasive species, and like, yeah, you know, like if if like immigrants are coming and if they if one of them commits a crime, then yeah, sure they'll be held accountable for that. But that's not what they're coming here to do. Yeah. They're coming here because they're. <laughs> They're coming here because they just want freedom and opportunity. And, like, it's kind of our... We are the great country, the, the country of liberty and freedom that, you know, we like to be known as. Then, you know, we should be treating anyone who enters this country seeking that sanctuary. Yeah, definitely. We should be treating them as such as being welcome and mm-hmm. not like they're being, you know, not that they're, like taking something away from them, mm-hmm. from us because like there's plenty to go around yeah. like there's so much to go around and it's a, it's unfortunate because mm-hmm. capitalism has given so much of that power to like the one percent yeah. and to billionaires and the corporations and you know that and they fucking exploit the shit out of the resources that we yeah. have but um but that's an entirely different episode mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, it's it is like kind of like um it's really eye opening to see how much of the world like is plagued by a lot of the issues that we find ourselves passionate about when it comes yeah. to social justice and you know and how much inequality there is like you know a lot of like we think it's bad here but it's you know we could even be miles ahead of in in certain issues that you know other parts of the world are, you know, still, what, what we would consider a primitive solved issue could yeah. still be, like, a very real persecution somewhere else. Yeah, so. yeah definitely. All right, Brandy. Um, I think we had a great conversation about... Heck yeah. Um, about... The world. The world and, you know, global issues and studying abroad and, you know, just... What you take away from other cultures and how you see our own culture. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really good food for thought. Because yeah. um, we are very small in, in, uh, oh, yeah. in relation to how big this world is. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, uh, tell me what keeps you up at night. What keeps me up at night? Uh, lately, I've been able to fall asleep because I work at Good City Brewing oh, wow. and I uh, nice. 
with my in, in my AmeriCorps program, Public Allies. Yeah. So currently nothing, because I do tend to pass out as soon that's as I get good. home. Nice. Whether that's like 9 p.m. or 2 a.m. Um, but couple i mean if i think about it probably my little sisters because i like to keep tabs on them and yeah. make sure they're doing well and they are um yeah little alana and little beyonce shout out both y'all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what puts you to sleep what puts me to sleep um just being tired from uh, yeah just being tired or if i'm like wide awake i try to read a book a lot of books as my roommate pointed out this morning oh, yeah, okay. I do, so I need to literature stop. yeah that'll put me to bed um or just like I don't know trying to get energized for the yeah. Day. every yeah. day although I do the same stuff is throws all these things in my way mm -hmm. something new so yeah. yeah what would you say uh your experience abroad inspired you to work into AmeriCorps um I would say a little um, I think I, there were two programs that I was interested in, Public Allies being one in Teach for America. Mm -hmm. um, I have found myself in different roles where I, not only I'm in front of a classroom, but I'm like just teaching people about other stuff. Um, so I, I like it. Um, never thought that would be something that, that I would enjoy and I thought maybe Teach for America, but I missed the deadline so then I just I applied, I applied for public allies. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, um, Worked out. being in the group, it. I was telling someone, I'm like, I didn't think it was going to be as challenging as it is. Um, it's emotionally challenging. Um, I think I'm getting tapped into a lot of different parts that I didn't realize existed in me. Um, it's very reflective. Um, so yeah, I always say Friday trainings are a lot. Um, I think like going into it, I mentally have to be there and I am, but it's, those are hard days for me, I know personally, um, but I'm just going each day, trying to take away from Friday what I can implement during the week and just in my yeah. personal life. Well, it's cool that, I mean, it's cool it's teaching you a lot about, yeah. you know, your own community and it's also mm -hmm. cool that you get to bring the film festival into you know yeah. the the dimension of the work you're doing because the film festival is a really wonderful resource for different Milwaukee communities oh, yeah, to like totally. express ideas mm -hmm. creatively. So, mm -hmm. well, thank you for being yeah. on the show. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you again. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, rest in peace, Black Rose. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Damn, damn,